Again, I want to remind you every single week to, to be thinking about who you can invite, who you can bring with you. Uh, what I want to tell you is that as we move through Father's Day, as we're looking at things the last few weeks, uh, our nation is in a bad way. Our culture is in a bad way. Our world today is completely absent from the truth of God's Word. And you wonder, well, what's going to happen? What could be the change? I want to tell you that the biggest thing that could happen would be that men would embrace the truth of God's word, would grow in God's word, would stand upon God's word, and that would change our homes, that would change our kids, that would change our churches, that would bleed over into our culture, and you would see a sweeping change. And I'll tell you, the best thing that could happen right here is that the change would begin with the men in this room. And so I'm excited about our men's lunch. Best thing we can do is to come and say, what has God said in his word about us and our walks as followers of Jesus Christ? So I want to encourage not just be coming, but thinking about who can I invite, who can I call, who can I text, who can I pick up to bring with me uh, every single Thursday. Today we're going to be back in our study in 1 John. Uh, we're back in the second chapter. We're going verse by verse through the letter of 1 John. Uh, we're going to look at a pretty good chunk of verses today, a very uh, kind of complex chunk of verses today. But I want, to, I want to start off and I want you to think about a question today, and that is this. What is the greatest threat to the Christian church today. And we, we hear it, we see it on the news, we think about that, all sorts of threats against the, the cause of Christ today. And so I want you to think about that. What is the greatest threat to the Christian church today? What is the greatest threat to the cause of Jesus Christ today? Now we could, we could give several different answers. Uh, is it the culture? Is it the world that hates, actually hates, Biblical Christianity. And I'll just tell you, watch the news, look around today. You in our culture, you can talk about anything, anywhere. You can talk about Hinduism, you can talk about Islam, you can talk about any pagan religion, you can talk about uh, all of these deviant things. You can talk about anything except Jesus Christ. And when you start to talk about Jesus Christ, uh, Oprah Winfrey gets upset and Dr. Phil gets upset. Um, you're going to be called intolerant. You're going to be called uh, hateful. You're going to be called ignorant uh, when you talk about Jesus Christ. So, so is the greatest threat against the church today our culture, our world that is opposed to biblical Christianity? Uh, is it the government? And that's, that's been a threat that in our nation is a growing thing. Is it the government, which is really just a reflection of the culture? Uh, is, it, is it the government that is, re, that is opposed to Christian truth. And it's the same way. You can talk about anything, but you talk about one way to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ, and you're going to be opposed. Our Supreme Court shows an anti-biblical leaning. Uh, the laws that we're producing now in the states, in our national government, show an anti-biblical leaning. Politicians today sell out to the whims of the culture. Is that going to be the greatest threat to the cause of Christ today? Or maybe it's all the distractions that we exist in today. And sometimes we think, well, it's going to be the government or it's going to be this set of people. Maybe it's just the, the, the distractions that we exist in today. Uh, all the materialistic things that we have. All the things that we think we have to do. Or all, all the things that we think we must have. And I, I think about today's sports. Uh, 2018 uh, sporting events for kids. If they're, if they're going to go up against the activities of the church you know what's always going to lose the activity of the church? That's 2018. We're, we're running around our kids like it's a second job uh, chasing these things. Uh, is it the distractions, these things that we think we have to have? Is that going to be the downfall of the Christian church today? 
Maybe it's just our apathy. And I, I think our culture and Satan has, has built into us an apathy. You know what? As long as I have my stuff and as long as I'm comfortable, I'm not concerned about it. You know what? I, I believe I'm saved. My kids are saved. I, I'm not urging about it. And maybe we have just become numb today as a society. Maybe that's going to be the greatest threat. What is the greatest threat to the Christian church and to the cause of Christ today? Here's what I believe the answer is. I believe it is the rise of, and it is the increase of, and it is the embracing of false teaching at the hands of false teachers. And I'm going to explain that to you. I believe that is the biggest threat to the Christian church today. Yes, the government. Yes, the culture. Yes, the world. Yes, the distractions. I believe doing the most damage today is the embracing of false teachers and their false teaching. Let me just tell you what that, what that means. Today, the truth of Jesus Christ is being distorted. The gospel of Jesus Christ today is being changed. And I, I hear people talk about this gospel and that gospel and a social gospel and a, and a whatever gospel. The gospel is being changed. The truth is being changed. We can't even say what a marriage is. We can't even say what sex a person is today. The truth is being distorted. The truth is being changed. And here's the problem. Christians today are eating it up. Hand over fist, we're eating it up. It's showing up in our, our church practice today. We are consuming the distortion of the truth. Well, today again in our verses, the Apostle John talks about this threat. Now, remember the context, false teachers have shown up. Uh, they are teaching not the biblical Christ. Uh, the Apostle John, he knew Christ. He knew the, the real death, burial, and resurrection. He knew the teachings of Christ. And so these false things are being embraced in the church. In fact, it was an age about 30 years, 40 years after the cross when they start to say, you know what, it's wise to embrace all these things. It's a good thing to embrace all these things. A smart person, they would embrace all of these things. And so the Apostle John stands up and he says, you know what, I've got to tell you the truth. And I've got to tell you what the truth is. Very similar to our situation today. And so in our verses, he's going to talk about the threat. He's going to talk about how we know the threat, how we see it, and what we're to do about it as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to read all of these verses together, and then we'll come back and we'll look at some things in these verses. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 18. We're going to go through verse 27. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. 
These things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and it is true and is not a lie, and just as he has taught it to you, now abide in him. Again, a complicated set of verses, a long set of verses. But from that set of verses, let me show you three things today that we should do in these times. False teachers are coming. False truth is being introduced into the church. Churches today are falling for the lies and they're upholding these false teachings. What are we supposed to do as men, as Christians who are existing in these days? Let me give you three things we should do. The first thing is this. Be sure of the times. Be sure of the times. Listen to verse 18 again. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. We, we are to be sure of the times. Now the verse starts off and it says children. It is talking to here Christians. It is talking to those who belong to the family of God. And so it's a term of endearment. He says children. He's talking to followers of Jesus Christ. And then he says this, Christians, children, it is the last hour. Hear that today. Listen to that today. It is the last hour. If you knew today, three o'clock was going to be your last hour. Somehow you knew that Jesus is going to come again. Maybe you're going to have a, a massive heart attack. Maybe you're going to be involved in a car accident. Whatever the case, you knew today at three o'clock it's going to be your last hour. The clock stocks three o'clock. It's your last hour on this earth. I want to tell you, I think you would be aware of that last hour. I'm pretty sure you'd be careful how you spent that last hour. I think you'd be diligent to get some things done that you thought were important in that last hour. You know what? I, I think if I told you right now, three o'clock is your last hour, I don't think you'd take a nap. I don't think you would. I don't think you'd go somewhere and have a long lunch and recline and, and sit around there at the long lunch. Uh, listen, we have to be sure of the time. God is saying here to, to us today, wake up, be diligent. The last hour is upon you. And he says this, and just as you heard the Antichrist is coming, uh, Antichrist translates this, against, anti, it actually means against Christ. Uh, in a literal translation, it means surplanting or replacing Christ. And so the Antichrist is replacing Christ or removing Christ, or they are opposed, they're against Christ. Now we know in the, in the great tribulation, the ultimate Antichrist is gonna come and is gonna declare and is gonna try to, to lead many astray and, and take the place of Christ. But he says this, you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, but even now many Antichrists have appeared. Now what that means is this. These are the last hours. We're in those days and many who are against Christ. We're not waiting for one. Many who are against Christ. Many who are trying to replace Christ have shown up. And he says this. From this we know it is the last hour. Now understand the last hour. We think, well, this, this was written about 1960 years ago and he was telling them it's the last hour. Is it the last hour? That's a whole lot of hours. What this means is the time between Jesus' first coming 
and Jesus' second coming again. That is called this present evil age in the book of Galatians. That is this last hour. From the time that Jesus came and the, and the gospel is put out in front of us, his death, burial, and his resurrection, his ascension to heaven, and then his coming again, this is the last hour. Listen, we live in the last hour where God's grace through the gospel of Jesus Christ is offered to us. We live in this last hour where forgiveness and peace with God is offered through our Savior, Jesus Christ. But we also live in this last hour where Satan and his demons run free and they incite the world, they incite these false teachers to stand and to speak against Christ and the cause of Jesus Christ. False teachers today, listen, they are rampant and they are trying to lead many people to hell. That's the truth. They're trying to lead many people to destruction. So the first thing is this. In these days, understand the hour that we exist in. These are the last hours. It is upon us. This is our reality. So the first thing, be sure of the time. The second thing, be sure of the threat. Be sure of the threat. Now, here's a pretty good question. How do you know an antichrist? It says there's many of them amongst us right now and they're opposed to the cause of Christ, how will you know an antichrist? How will you be sure of an antichrist? Now, I don't want to call somebody one if they're not one. How will you know an antichrist? Now, I want you to listen very carefully. This is a very big deal. How will you spot, identify an antichrist? There's two ways. The first one is this. Listen to verses 19 through 21 again. They went out from us. This is how you know. But they were not really of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that they're not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. He says here, you have the truth. He's talking to Christians. You have the truth of the gospel. You have the truth, the reality of Jesus Christ. And because you have received that, the Bible says this, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians 1.13 says that. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. Now what that means is this, as a Christian, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. Now, living inside of you, he does several things. One of the things that he does is he testifies to the truth. He points to the truth. In verse 20, it says, you have this anointing. Well, that's not some goofy thing. That's not some crazy thing. It literally means marking. You know what? The marking that you're a follower of Jesus Christ is the, the sealing, the possessing, possessing of the Holy Spirit of God. And so it means this, you've received the truth. When you put your faith in the truth, you receive the Holy Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you pointing to confirming the truth. Now here's what he says. These false teachers, these false antichrists, these antichrists, they really were not of us. And it's evident in the fact that they went out from us. Listen very carefully. False teachers, they enter the church. Now, I want you to be, be very aware of this. They enter the church. They're not somewhere out there opposed to the church. They enter the church. Some of them come up in the church. 
Some of them have been there a long time and they develop and they grow up in the church. Uh, they, are, they associate with the church. They, they're around the church. You see, the church is their platform. The church is where they get to speak. The church is where people will listen to them. And so understand, they're in the church. They're springing up through the church. But listen, but if the church is standing on the truth, they are exposed. They are found in conflict with the truth. And two things either happen. They're either pushed out because they're in conflict with the truth or they decide they can't exist because of the truth and they leave on their own. Now, you know what? They're, they're going to cause division in the church. They're going to wreak havoc in the church. They're going to cause all kinds of fights and problems in the church. They're going to put all kinds of false information out in the church. They're going to break down people in the church. They're going to wreck people's walks with Christ there in the church. They're going to try to drag some out with them when they leave. But you know what? If the truth is upheld in the church, they're at conflict with the church and they can't stand, they can't succeed, and so they leave. They didn't stay with us because they weren't of us. Let me tell you, I believe this is the truth. If you find a church and they're standing on the truth, you know what? Those may spring up in the church, but they can't coexist and they butt heads with the truth and so they leave. However, let me tell you what, what might also happen. If that church is not standing on the truth, if that church is not sure of the biblical truth, if that church is willing to compromise the truth, those people will take over that church and before long, you'll find a false church. That's why John's concerned here. That's why he writes the letter. He says, you know what? How you know they're not of you? Because they couldn't take the truth. They couldn't teach under the truth. They couldn't stand under the truth. And so they got away from the truth. Unless you're not standing for the truth, and then they take over and it becomes a false church. This is why John says, you know what? I've got to stand up in my old age and write a letter and tell you about the truth. See this before I leave this section. It says this, no lie is of the truth. This is a big deal to me. No lie is of the truth. Why not bend a little bit? Why not compromise a little bit? Isn't compromise a loving thing? If we're going to meet in the middle, aren't we going to need to compromise somehow? Why not agree to just disagree? I hear that in church today. Why not just agree to disagree? You know what? We're, we're going to disagree on this. Let's just get along. Why isn't close enough good enough? And that's the main thing I hear today. We're, we're agreeing on all these things, but this one's not right. But close enough is good enough. Why isn't close enough good enough? Listen to me. It's because of this. 99% truth and 1% lie is a lie. In your marriage, 99% of the truth and 1% lie is a lie. In your business dealing, you make a contract with somebody, 99% of the truth and 1% of a lie, it is a lie. And you know what? The Bible says God can have no part of a lie. You know what? Any part non-truth makes the whole thing non-truth. So we see here, the first thing they do is we see they separate. And so you watch the pattern of these people. They're here and they cause trouble. They're a big deal and then they cause trouble and they're gone. And they're over here and it's a big deal and they cause trouble and they're gone. You know what? That's a person that's an antichrist. The second way that we see they're an antichrist is this. They change Jesus. They change Jesus. Listen to verses 22 and 23. Who is the liar 
He doesn't mess around. Who is the liar? But the one who denies Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. What he's saying is this. Any change in the biblical truth of Jesus, and that is an Antichrist. That is trying to replace the true Christ with a different version of Christ. And so you be sure, how do I know they're a false prophet? How do I know they're a false teacher? because they are trying to change the truth of Jesus Christ. Any deviation. If you find somebody and they want to talk about Jesus as a man, and he was a great man, and he was a great teacher and a moral example, but he was not God. Listen, that's an antichrist. If they want to say he was God and he was spirit, but he could have no part of a human body, he was not a man. That is an antichrist. If they want to say, you know what, he had, a, he had a resurrection, but it was a spiritual resurrection. It wasn't a physical resurrection. That could have never happened. You know what, that is an antichrist. If they want to come along and say, he is a God, but he's not the God, Jehovah's Witnesses. You know what, that's an antichrist. If they want to come along and say, he was created, he has a beginning. He was created at the hands of God, as the Mormons say. That is an antichrist. If they want to come along and say, no, he's a prophet, a revered prophet, and he speaks for Allah, God, as the Muslims do. That is an antichrist. If they want to come along and say, you know what, there's other ways to be saved, and I'm thankful we found this way, but there's other ways to be saved than through Jesus Christ. The work wasn't finished on the cross. That is an antichrist. And any person that changes the biblical truth of Jesus in any way is opposed to Jesus Christ, and they are an antichrist. Be sure of who the threat is. A couple, couple months ago, some Jehovah's Witness folks came by my house dressed very nicely. Nice folks, good folks, nice folks. They started talking to me. They said, do you love the Bible? And I said, well, actually, I do love the Bible. Um, and they started talking about the Bible. And I said, well, I'm going to look over into the book of John. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Do you believe Jesus is God? And they start down a road. Well, he never claimed to be God. You know what? These, these were some nice folks. A couple, about a month ago, some, some two Mormon boys. They're, they're just boys. They're 19. Um, they were they are on a bicycle. They look pretty nice guys. They they came they actually came to the church and said, you know what, we're all the same, and so we want to know how we can serve your church, and and, and they wanted to talk about that. What what is my response to those folks supposed to be? Listen to this. The book of Jude says we contend for the faith. The book of Jude says call them what they are. Don't even stand on your porch. And I don't care how nice they dressed and how how calm and good they seemed. Both of those sets of folks were agents of Satan who would lead my family and who would lead my kids and lead my wife and lead my church to destruction separate from the truth of Jesus Christ. I didn't drag them off. I didn't do anything crazy, but you know what? You're not welcome with your garbage here. The truth is what leads us to salvation through Jesus Christ. So the first thing is this. If you're going to live in these days, you've got to be sure of the time. The second thing, if you're going to be sure of these days, you need to be sure of the threat. The threat is around you. Be sure of the threat. The last thing is this, and it's very awesome. If you're going to live in these days, you better be sure of the truth. Be sure of the truth. Listen to verse 24 and verse 25. As for you, he's talking to Christians, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. That's talking about the gospel. 
if what you heard from the beginning, the gospel, the truth of Christ abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which he himself, Jesus, made to us eternal life. What these verses say is this. What you heard from the start, the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ, abide in that. Here comes these folks and they're lying and they're distorting and they're trying to lead you astray. You know what? Abide in the gospel. Stay with the gospel. Stand on the gospel because here's what he says is at stake. Eternal life. Well, can't we all just get along? No, eternal life's at stake. Well, can't we just agree to disagree? No, eternal life's at stake. Well, can't, can't we say just close enough is good enough? No, eternal life is at stake. Listen, the only truth that saves, the only truth that changes lives, the only truth that changes eternity is the truth of Jesus Christ. And so we have to be sure of that truth. Let me tell you what that truth looks like today. We are sinners. I'm a sinner, big. You're a sinner, big. We're sinners. In our sin, we are ruined. In our sin, we're condemned. We're guilty. In our sin, we're condemned before a holy God. He's pure. He's holy. He can have no part of me as a sinner. That's the reality. You know what? Jesus, the Son of God, leaves the glory of heaven. The Bible says he humbles himself and he comes as a man. Can you imagine that? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the reigning Jesus. He comes and he humbles himself. He's born behind basically a truck stop. We don't even have a room up there in our halfway in, and so he's born out in the alley. We have to put him out where the animals are, put him in a feed trough. He comes and he's born as a man. The Bible says he lives and he grows as a man. He never sins. The Bible says he's tempted in every way as we are, but he never sins. And as the perfect now Lamb of God who has never sinned, he goes to the cross of Calvary. He goes to the cross of Calvary. The Bible tells us that our punishment due of sin is put upon him. God's wrath, more, more than that, God's wrath towards sin is poured out upon him. And he takes the penalty and the punishment for sin. The Bible says he's spat upon, his beard is pulled out of his face, he's whipped across the back. The Bible says not until he's the form of a man, you couldn't tell who he was any longer. They stretch out his arms, they nail him to a cross. He bleeds and he dies there on the cross of Calvary. The perfect lamb of God sacrificially dies in your place and in my place on the cross of Calvary. They take him off of that cross. He's actually dead, dead. They put him in a tomb. Didn't have one of his own, he borrowed one. A rich man said, you know what? He could take mine. They put him in the tomb. Physically dead. They wrap him in the clothes of a grave and they put him in that tomb. Three days later, Easter Sunday morning, he walks out of that grave. The angel says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He walks out of the grave. He was stone cold, dead. The Lamb of God took the punishment for sin. He put, is put in a grave. He comes out of the grave. The king is alive. He stands as the risen, resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. He stays 40 days. He ascends to heaven. The Bible says he's seated there at the throne. 
He's seated there in the seat of honor. The Bible says just as sure as he came the first time, just as sure as he went to the cross of Calvary, he is coming again. The Bible says with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of Lord, there's gonna be a shout and Jesus is coming for his church. And let me just tell you something. No matter what is acceptable today, no matter what is politically correct today, no matter what is called ignorant today, we are saved alone in the finished work of Jesus Christ and that is the truth and the truth stands. And so when these guys creep in and say, you know what, it's a little bit different Christ. It's a little bit different gospel. It's a little bit different salvation. It's an assault on the truth of Jesus Christ by which we are saved. Man, we better know the time. It's this time. We better know the threat and it's creeping all around us. We better know the threat. But more than that, we better know the truth. By the truth, we're saved. What did Jesus say? I am the truth, the way, and the life. Glad you're here. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll leave some word of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for you. I'm thankful for the truth, Jesus. I'm thankful that's not of any work that I have to do. I can't do it. I think it's not any change that I have to make. My willpower is not strong enough. I'm thankful, but that in your grace, you sent Jesus as the perfect lamb of God. And whether the world can believe it or not, it is settled and finished in the cross of Calvary. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for my salvation. I pray for some here today that do not know Jesus Christ. I pray that in the preaching of this truth, they would turn, they would confess their sinners, they would confess that their hope is in Jesus, reigning as Lord. And they would profess him as such. I pray for us today in this room that are believers. We would understand this is no time to be apathetic. This is no time to be drawn away into the cares and the lures of the world, but it's time to stand on the banner of our truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us in that. I pray for the men in this room. Pray for the homes in this room. Pray for the families in this room. Pray for the churches in this room that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be in the center. We would look to you, Lord Jesus. We love you, we thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen.